Hello, gentlemen. Good evening. How are we doing today, guys? Ah, uh, dandy. It's good. It's good. Dandy. It's good. Chad, Evan, thanks for uh, thanks for being here. Yeah, your happy smiling faces. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thanks for everyone that's tuning in. This is a live Q and A that stands for question and answers, which we'll have a lot of, I hope, um, on everything you need to know about how to build a shipping container home per us. So, of course, Evan and I know everything between the two of us. So net we have Chad here. I'm pretty sure we could solve every problem in the world at this point. Um, but I'm excited to do this. I think we've been trying to do this for a little while. I certainly have wanted to do this for a while. And I know people have come and kind of asking. So I'm, I'm actually just happy that we can finally get there, go live and just answer questions and um, explain a little bit about what we did, what we're doing, why we're doing it. Um, why, why we are trying to do something different. And hopefully this will help people answer questions and get more interest out there. Um, and we'll see what happens, but, uh, yeah, we are going to jump in. I don't know if you guys had anything early you wanted to talk about, if we want to chit chat a little bit about anything, um, everybody that's lurking on the chat, if you have questions, anytime you want to drop them in there, we will certainly, um, get to those and answer questions that you have. But in the meantime, I think we'll just preface it by, I think maybe talking a little bit about what we just did. Um, it's called the Nook. It is a shipping container home in the mountains of Colorado. Um, people have even asked me, "What is a shipping container home?" <laughs> so we'll even talk. We'll get it real simple at the beginning, and just it's a it's a home. Yes, it's a home. Um, even family members have asked me that. Um, I don't know, Evan, if you want to preface like talking a little bit about what it is, what where we started this is this is definitely evan and i's baby um and i say that because it had a long gestation period of over two years of r d and talking and chatting and podcasts and um trying to figure out if we could build a home using as i've said shipping containers and this is some people know what i'm talking about others i've very recently been talked to have no idea when i say that to them they're just like wait out of like what metal boxes and i said yeah and then there's the blank, you know, deer and headlights stare, and we have to kind of go into it further. But um, why don't Evan? Why don't you talk a little bit about yeah. where where we how we got here? Yeah, we got here. It probably actually started close to five years ago. Um, I was wow. initially looking at land in a part of Colorado where big, beautiful houses mm -hmm. are built. I was considering building for myself at the time, and but the lots were cheap. And I couldn't quite figure out why the lots were so cheap with and beautiful lots. Um, yet there's million dollar homes here. And well, long story short, it was really poor conditions to build in terms of site work. Lots of rock, lots of that kind of stuff. Um, and as Shane and I will cover in this, we we get it now. We had to do some dynamiting, um, which certainly made this less inexpensive. Um, or I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, less inexpensive. I like that term. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think at that point, I, I was just looking at some, any possible way to solve that problem. And then, you know, that's that's where Shane 
kind of comes in. We started talking about it. We looked at uh, shipping container construction. Containers are designed to be stacked seven, eight high or whatever it is on a boat. Um, they all are very, very highly engineered structures with, you know, all the, so nonetheless, um, we thought, well, this would be perfect, right? If we could build these on caissons or whatever, then we could just drop them in, cut them out, and that would solve a big problem. But we weren't sure about their lendability. We weren't sure about a lot of that stuff. And I think that's kind of what started our initial inquiries in it. And during that process of just doing some discovery, uh, they all of a sudden got uh, approved for basically a standardized form of construction. Right, so they're in the what chain? The 2018 now um, international in the code 2018 book. 2018 and 2021, yeah. they've got their own sections. Um, I'll preface that by saying, in the 2018 code book, there was just some language. Um, Section-wise, there was just some language on adaptability to conventional construction. That being just building science-wise, where you think about people at same questions: How do you insulate it? How do you frame it? What do you do with the roof? So there was some of that dictated by 2021, which is the, the latest code book. We've got basically an explanation of, yes, this is a acknowledged building practice, and this is the way you have to do it to get it to where everything else is built. So, And then when Fannie Mae um, recognized it as a standard form of construction, which means you know it's, it's, it's lendable, then they were houses. It wasn't like mm-hmm. if you built one... Um, They'd be like, well, we can't really do a comparable to this. There's no comps for it. It's like, no, the house right next door is a comp. It's really no difference if a house was made of brick or if a house was uh, a concrete home or was just siding on it. So you're really just talking about the exterior of the home being steel versus like brick, for example. Mm. So we were very interested. There's, We were also interested in how shipping containers um, could solve some additional problems. Um, and we were really interested in really reevaluating or I guess identifying what some of those problems were and then weighing that against, is this a solution to that? So think, for example, pest control, right? So um, not a lot of termite issues with shipping container homes. Um, fire, that's a big one here in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Wind, hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquake. I mean, these things are meant to be out in the exposed sea to all elements. So we thought, all right, it already in regards to that is better. Now the question is, can you build one um, at or less than the same price of traditional stick-built new construction? Um, And we kind of determined, yes, we could. Then that led us to our next thing, Shane, which was uh, looking at land up in Colorado. Um, And if not everyone here is in Colorado, you can probably imagine it's as pretty as you think it is. And (laughs) everybody would love to have a cabin up in the mountains. Um, But there we started noticing a few Mm -hmm. issues. Again, lots of beautiful lots, affordable lots. But a lot of people looking to buy secondary property. And... Shane and I thought that was a unique kind of situation. You had tons of buyers, very small inventory. There was hardly, there's hardly ever cabins that come for sale, ones that you'd want to buy. Um, And so, wow, big pool of people looking. And as we kind of started evaluating that, we realized that 
it's tough to build in the mountains. <laughs> it is hard to find people to go up from the front range, uh, trades, um, et cetera, to drive an hour and a half, two hours at minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, and to get material up there, to even get things as simple as a porta potty up there, to get roll off dumpster services up there. And we realized this is probably what's going on, that if somebody bought land, if somebody wanted a cabin, the process seemed to be buy land, struggle through three to four years of getting a cabin built for yourself, and then never sell it and pass it down to your family. So we were interested in addressing that problem and taking a look at that. This build took us uh, a little less than a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we probably did it again, we could we could probably do it in six months if it was mm-hmm. Park County. We could do it at least substantially faster than that. And maybe even faster than that. It just it depends. Yeah. But the structure part was certainly less than, than a traditional stick big, stick-built home would have been. Um, we did run into like Evan preface, we'd ran into some other things just, you know, from mountain building site work. Um, we did have to blast a lot of rock. We were doing a lot of dynamiting for site work, driveway, um, excavation, so forth. But those are things you're going to run into regardless. Um, but I think on the modular side, meaning, you know, we're kind of prefabbing some of the construction offsite and bring it on. It was, it was definitely a, a pretty quick process, even for, mm-hmm you know, this first project. So, yeah. And I I would say this, that's, it's a good thing for anyone interested in building one or designing one or um, buying one even, I guess, really. Um, One of the benefits of shipping container construction, and it's Shane's alluding this to the modular, but we'll, we'll just talk about shipping containers. And this was a semi modular build. We didn't build the entire thing off site and have it assembled on site. We had the containers go to a separate site where we had them cut out, pre-engineered, sandblasted, primed, ready to go, reinforced, um, and then had them sent up to the location and craned in. And one of the first benefits is even if you just did that, so imagine the containers coming together, there's no framing, there's no nothing in there. You just have the raw structure of the containers with all the cutouts. Um, The benefit is we got to do site work while we were also doing that. Whereas traditional build, you know, that first two by four doesn't go up until you're passing your inspections on the foundation. Mm -hmm. So as soon as we were able to pass uh, our inspections for our site work and foundation, the very next day, the containers were there and they were in place and we were almost right to framing them. that is one of the benefits, and that could be, you could make that argument that's a benefit for any modular construction or semi-modular construction. But um, in this regard, that was one of our benefits. Um, we just had such a delay, and some of these were unanticipated, whether it was with the county, uh, which actually we didn't have any issue with the county. It's just the fact that they were busy, understaffed, Park County in Colorado, small mountain county. Uh, the building department didn't have a lot of people, a lot of plans. Um, in their department. So we had to wait almost two months before we got approved um, for our general construction permit. And then um, and then we ran into, you know, we have all this acreage and we decided to put this container in a really pretty spot uh, <laughs> way up on top of the hill behind these rock enclaves. Uh, and that happens to be right the only spot pretty much on the entire property where a granite vein is just <laughs> running down following where our site is along where we want our driveway 
uh, and several dynamiting um, episodes. days, episodes <laughs> later, uh, which, you know, you think, oh, that's great. Just blow it up and push it all out. Well, then you have a uh, you have a boulder problem. Which you have was another, own, yeah. You have another your gravel problem. company after that. You have a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with hundreds of multiple ton bolters now to navigate and then getting the machinery up there, getting an operator up there in the mountains. So that was just a huge, I mean, it cost us probably 30% of our time was all there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and then outside of that, I, I mean, I think for Shane and I, going back to just why we did this and how we did this, um, you know, it's a it's kind of like a paid education. You know, the property is currently just finished. Uh, it is on the market for sale, and we can put the address um, somewhere in here. I think, right? Um, we'll we'll, and you we'll can be go, on chat for that. Yeah, um, <laughs> you guys will realize this during this. I'm not the tech guy. <laughs> Can it, it, I see stuff? Can it get in here somewhere? Push a, push a button. Push a button. <laughs> but, but we did do that. I would say, um, yeah, it was just, it was something we wanted to do. We wanted to go through it. Uh, I think what's also really interesting about this is, if you're an objective thinker, an objective problem solver, or a creative investor, um, not just shipping containers. But, but shipping containers is a really interesting platform to look and solve other problems, whether that is ADUs, whether that is um, commercial use, storage use. Um, there's so much that you can do with them. I had a guy um, that I'm speaking with uh, who wants luxury hunting blinds. Um, on all of his hunting preserves, um, because again, they're outside, they're steel and they'll last forever. Um, so guy who charges a lot of money for people to come and hunt on his land and, and to process all the meat for those people and et cetera. So instead of putting them up in a drafty cold blind, he would like to figure out how to use 10 foot containers, uh, to put his guests up in. So there is so much use for it. And it really just, I think that's part of, that is probably one of the main reasons Shane and I wanted to do this is see where would this lead? What other opportunities could we do with this? And getting your hands on one, working with one, going through all of that is, uh, was one of the big benefits of doing this. Mm-hmm. But I think I, I think I covered it, right? Yeah. Fantastic job. Oh, Wonderful. Yeah, it was- Great. It was great. And I wanted to, I wanted to actually pause you guys before we really yeah. jumped into all of that, but I mean, it's so great regardless. Um, because when you're talking about manufacturing these, you know, these containers, the way that you guys do it, um, I think it might be hard for people to mentally draw the line of like, all right, where does this actually not fit in as a like modular or manufactured home? And how does it just, how does it, get qualified as you know a traditional home and qualify for conventional financing or even mm-hmm. a usda loan if it's in the middle of you know rural america right right well i think the biggest caveat that w- with with a lot of these types of builds especially shipping container homes is people assume it's just a steel box and just gets dropped on the land right and it leans towards this well wait so it's a manufactured home or it's you know it's a 
it's a home that's a mobile home, which, you know, it's a, it's actually not a home for, as people are understanding mobile, mobile homes. Home. Yeah. yeah. Mobile <laughs> home is, is, is a structure that sits on a piece of land in a community and that land is actually not owned by the person that's living in the in the mobile home. It's actually mm-hmm. leased to that person, and the person that actually is owning that that parcel, which is not even divvied up. It's just it's not parceled out. It's just a bunch of mobile homes sitting on one piece, owns that. So it's basically just a, like a giant apartment complex, except it's all level on on one you know one piece of ground, as opposed to you know running forty stories high. They're not mobile homes, and and the difference is. Anything that has a structural condition, so it's either on piers, it's on spread footing stem wall, you know, anything you guys have seen as far as how a house sits, how does a house get built? It's sitting there, it's fixed, it's not going where there's no wheels, there's no trailer hitch. It's it's there on the on the property. It's a structure, which is why we were kind of talking about the IRC in the 2018 code book and the 2021 code book. It has to be mm-hmm. it has to be on a, a foundation that's allowed by that by the IRC, which is the residential code. Mm-hmm. that's what makes it a home. Cool. Um, it doesn't matter what what we use to build them with. In fact, in the area that I live in, after we had a crazy, what they call a wildfire um, in Boulder County, it really wasn't even a wildfire, but there's more, there's more that's required now as homes are being rebuilt in these areas where the homes burned down, more metals required, more structures required. Um, which means more cost to these people. And that's where we looked at that and said, well, if there's going to be more of that anyway, then why not build it with more metal to begin with? And maybe in a more, you know, I wouldn't say unconventional, but it's, it's not realized in the, in the world as Evan, and I talk about all the time, the world of it's 2023 and we're still using certain techniques to build homes. Why are we doing that? Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of those, this is one of those cases where we can take a, a metal box a reused box where it's a lot of these don't ever get reused. It's a one trip container that just ends up being sat somewhere um, for someone to buy for storage or whatever it is. We can take these things, cut them out, put them together and build a home out of them. Um, The same way you'd think about a lot of commercial construction where there's a lot of metal, there's metal framing, um, there's tilt up concrete where there's metal inside, you know, or iron inside the walls that are being built. This is the same kind of deal. It's just a metal, there's metal construction along with wood framing. You know, there's a lot of ways to do this. So long winded answer, but that's, that's, that's what this is about is, is like, we can use other materials besides just going back. I mean, we can go back 50, 60 years framing the house the same way we are today. Why are we still doing that? It's too much money. Right. Yeah. And I would add to that too. Um, it is probably, Chad, one of the biggest points of confusion for most people. Mm-hmm. And it's whenever something is unfamiliar, and, and maybe even a caveat to that, when something is so standardized as construction, right? houses have been basically, for the most part, being built the same way for you know, 50, 60, 70 years or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, it's like, it's different, right? And it is in their mindset. And we hear that feedback all the time. And even when we just put this up on the market, uh, people look at it and we've even had feedback. Like it seems expensive for a container home. Mm. And it's like, is it seem expensive or, and it tells us that there is a trigger in their brain that says, this is like a mobile home. Right. Right. And it's like, does it look like a full home? I mean, yeah. 
it's it's yeah it's not even remotely looks like it for people who haven't seen it you know it's three containers um where the two middle containers are completely opened so it makes a big 40 foot by 16 foot room the third container in the back is the bedrooms but then we have these semi cantilevered uh bump outs on the last one where the beds go in with big huge pieces of glass uh so your bed's pretty much right up against a giant picture window the front of it has a 16 foot nano wall on it that completely opens up it's it's in our opinion <laughs> and it's beautiful um but it's a house and i think it's just this I don't, I'm not familiar with it and neither are potentially if I had to have it maintenance, you know, we right. were talking about that before that if someone comes up and they're just like, wait, I don't know how to work on this. It's yes, you do. It's a house. It's a house. It has framing. It has insulation. It has all the MEPs. It has hardwood floors. Uh, hey, there you go. Um, yeah, pull it up. <laughs> yeah. Technology. God, amazing. Um, but it has all the things that a house would have. Um, yeah. So it's just a little, I think, new to people and they think something must be different about it. It's probably yeah. the first time you like um, for the architectural uh, people listening. Um, it's probably in the same time when you had in the 60s, you had mid-century modern architecture or brutalism, which is like, you know, the real concrete homes. Mm -hmm. People were like, is this, what is this? But now even that we're like, well, those are homes. It's just different architecturally. Same thing here. This is just a exterior steel structure, but everything else is completely normal. But I do think it throws people off in terms of you know, is it a house? And it's 100% a house. Um, and there's right. really nothing different to it outside of just the form of construction. Yeah. So, and that's, that's obviously a, a piece of what I attempt to convey to people is like, yeah, I understand how you might think of this as looking like a mobile or, or like a manufacturer modular home, but it's on a fixed foundation. This thing is not moving, just like no. you can't move your house. Right. And if that's the case, it qualifies for traditional financing. Yeah. And it's crazy because there are real estate agents out there that do not get that either. Um, so it's it's just a, a matter of making sure people understand and know that. Right. Yeah. Good evening, Mr. Cooper. Good to see you. Yeah, that's exactly right, Chad. I mean, it's it's and as as we're going kind of you guys can see the photos coming through here. I mean, <laughs> I'll even uh, make a comment to my mother at the beginning of this whole thing. She's, as Evan knows, his aunt, the uh, one of the most pessimistic people. That's the nicest piece, one of the nicest people you ever meet, and the most pessimistic, the nicest pessimistic person you ever meet. <laughs> she's, oh, Aunt Connie, she's questioning everything. But it was she was one of those people. Like, well, what's it gonna look like? What's yeah. it, is it going to just be a? What is it going to look like? It's going to look like a house. Mm -hmm. I mean, you guys can see in here that um, that's that's what we got. We got a house here. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's what it is. And, and listen, there's. I mean, we're sitting here on YouTube, streaming this and talking about stuff. But at the same time, um, you can go to YouTube and find a million different. And I not. Oh yeah. Exaggerating a million different photos and videos of container homes all across the country, even across the world. I mean, I think even the stuff that I've looked at recently, there's so many cool things happening in Europe, um, mm -hmm. Asia, like especially like Japan has really kind of taken hold to this coastal countries for sure. Um, I've seen well, in the 
in yeah. the last Olympics, they built one of the soccer stadiums for the Olympics in, where were the Olympics? Um, where Which were they ones? just at? Just the last summer or summer. Oh gosh. No, it was oh. like summer, really hot in the Middle East. People couldn't believe that they were hosting the Dubai? Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> Not Dubai, <laughs> but it's like Dubai. Rio de Janeiro. No. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, no. God. <sighs> Somebody put it in the chat. This is like one of those things. Like, I'm not going to sleep. <laughs> right. Um, anyways, but they built the entire um, stadium that held, I think, 80,000 people all out of shipping containers. Your last one was in Paris. Or, sorry, that's coming up this year. That's Paris, coming up. Before that. Come on. Come on. Tokyo. It has, it has Tokyo. It I don't know if it's Tokyo. Geez. It doesn't seem right. Beijing, Beijing was the Winter no. Olympics. I think you're last thinking the World time. Cup because the World Cup was in Saudi Arabia. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't the Olympics, but I know it's it was the yes. Okay. I just remember that. I know what you're talking about now, and that's exactly what it was. It was the World Cup, and it was okay. they had to play those games late at night because of mm-hmm. how hard it was. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. <laughs> Forgive us. Was, for that. Oh, yeah. Just uh, tangent. All right. <laughs> but <laughs> but it is it is a it is like with a lot of things. I hate to say this. Well, I shouldn't say that. The rest of the world sometimes is a better progressive innovator of things, and sometimes we're the laggard. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I'm sure there's a lot of people who are like, excuse me, we're doing Tesla. We're do- it's true, it's true. We're self landing rockets. We're doing all that. So I, I take that back. But this is one of those things where it is more widely adopted um, mm-hmm. than probably it is here. It's probably because it's such a uh, I don't know, Shane, you could talk about this probably for hours. We probably shouldn't. But um, just the construction industry here as a whole is really set in stone. And the trades are the trades. And any kind of disruption to that is can be sometimes met with some pushback just because it is job threatening. If if we start 3D printing houses, that's not great for framers. That's right. Right. Um, so there's going to be a natural pushback in, and the same is true with lenders. The same is true with realtors. The same is true with a lot of that. And it's just going to require some normalcy and education and exposure. And pretty soon that will dissipate, but it is ripe for that to be, uh, for this to, um, have its own space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I will say also, especially when as Evan touched on the, the threat to a lot of trades. And I mean, I'm a big proponent of this industry for so many reasons. And I think it gets gotten a lot of bad, bad publicity and negative connotation for so many different reasons. Uh, guys that, you know, are framers or concrete contractors mm-hmm. or plumbers, or whatever. they're not smart enough to, they didn't make it somewhere else. They didn't go to school with blah, 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 blah. So they're in this industry. Um, but the other part of it is that, well, we have to do it a certain way. And, and there is that pushback. But I think when you get into alternative construction, the idea is how do you drop cost? That's that's the reason why you're doing that. How do you make it better but drop cost? Because if, if listen, if, if the costs continue to be climbing the way that they are, they have been the last five, six years, I'm going to be out of a job because nobody's going to be able to afford me to build them a home or to mm. remodel a home or do an addition. There's just, it just they're going to say, no, thank you. 
And the only people left will be the production builders. Well, the production builders don't care what they do. If they have no subs at all, it's probably better for them because they have less overhead. I mean, if they could if they could 3D print all of the all of the model homes and all of the homes in a subdivision, they would of course do that if the cost was not prohibitive right now. They would do that and take everybody off the job site. There'd be no reason to to hire framers and concrete contractors and bring in, you know, whoever, because they can build almost the entire home from a computer. So there is there is a point where there's a threshold between just those kind of builders and then the rest of the world. And if bringing the containers into this this conversation, there's a time and place for those. And we've talked about this. We've looked at it. I've had many conversations. I've had, especially with guys that have done a ton of them, containing luxury and Blake, who's exploding all over the country right now, building container homes. He's building one one unit at a time in a warehouse, but they're one container homes. And the reason he's doing that is because it's cost effective to do it that way. If you're trying to build a home out of 25 containers, it's not cost effective. If you want a custom home and you want to look a certain way, there's no way you're going to just use containers unless you just wanted to have it built out of containers because it's not cost effective to do it that way. You've overfabricated. I think even on the Nook, we could probably take one of the containers out of our design and just run a simple welded c-channel box for the middle container don't even buy a container for the middle one right mm-hmm. save mm-hmm. save five six grand right there yeah so there's a time and place for these and i think for all kinds of alternative construction um so the pushback just needs to be answered with that that with that answer is like listen this isn't the entire industry this is this is for a type of this, we're trying to solve a problem it's for a type of build um, and if you're trying to do it, like I said, with a bunch of containers, you're either going to sell it as a very, you know, idealistic home, or you're going to be way over the top on your construction budget. And it's not going to make sense. Yeah. And this, this might lead into a good subject too, for this group. And to some of the people who are tuning in is the investment side of this. Um, we were lucky Shane and I have another partner in this Daryl. Um, and it, is I do s- is Daryl in the chat. Hi, Daryl. Say hi, Daryl. Don't be a creeper. He is. Um, (laughs) He can't help it. Um, Creeper. But it does require a little bit of, I don't know, trying to think of the right word, a little bit of courage to to look at this and to have a little bit of foresight and um, which I think is a good investor anyways, right? If you're just trying to get in on the investments on whatever what everybody else is investing on, you're probably not a great investor. That's my opinion. <laughs> um, you should mm-hmm. probably be trying to find what is about to happen and invest in that. Um, maybe maybe not a I, I just crapped on investors. <laughs> um, Don't listen to Evan about this. My point is, I think a great investor, there you go, is one that is looking for things that are coming down the line, opportunities Mm -hmm. down the line, and trying to get out in front of those and almost setting trends in terms of investment instead of just saying, what is working? I read this great book. Um, And I was like, listen, if you're already reading a book about it, you're probably late to the party. Um, And the real big window has probably passed you. So Daryl was willing to take this on with Shane and I um, and go through it. And it's not for it's not for the faint of heart 
right? Because, right. I mean, you got to imagine somebody giving you money to build something that you've never built before, right? So mm-hmm. it's not that we haven't built homes. We haven't done this. And um, it's like, how much is this going to cost? I, I think, I, how much is it to weld and stitch three containers together and make them waterproof? I guess we're going to find out, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's tough. Um, so I think even on the investor side of it, um, anyone who's looking at it as an investment, it does take a little bit because, you know, you might say, well, this only costs X amount of dollars to do this. Well, that's true. If there's 50 people who are willing to do that, that is simple capitalism at that point. It creates mm-hmm. a competitive environment where bids get lower to try to get jobs. But when you only have one guy that's saying, I'm willing to do it, and it, your choice is either to use that guy, that trade, or have nobody do it, you're you're a little bit leveraged in that situation. So um, having a good team understanding that a little bit will help control your costs. And I think that's why if we did this again, um, if we built a nook just like we did, it would be substantially different. Mm-hmm. Um, we we really, I think at this point, know what to expect. We'd probably actually not make a flat roof, right, Shane? We'd probably actually yeah. build some sort of pitch roof. We'd also, that would have given us a little bit more ceiling height because right. we could have in, insulated above instead of, um basically furring down framing down the ceilings and insulating mm-hmm. we um so maybe maybe this is a good point to kind of go specifically into the build just a little bit chad mm-hmm. um i think some people might have some interest in that some do's and don'ts yeah um unless you have an agenda you want us to follow i don't really have an agenda i just like you know if someone were to just feel super ambitious and they're like man i want to do this on my own what like let's let's just walk them through step by step like what do they need to do like what's the first thing like how would they even source a container in order okay. to start working on this okay. there are google so there's this amazing <laughs> thing on the internet <laughs> what um, no uh, way. and then there's another one called youtube i'm just kidding yeah um <laughs> you would start the process just like you would start if you were going to build a home mm-hmm. uh, there's i i'm just going to really try to pound that into the ground here. There is nothing different technically than than what you think. I think people still believe, oh, how would I do this? Well, how would you build a home, right? So um, yes, you would have to find a place where you can buy containers. There are, so let's start there. Um, well, I'm skipping over a huge step, which are plans, architectural drawings, a lot all that kind of stuff. So let's just mm-hmm. assume you've done that. Um, so uh, yeah, we can get to that for sure too. And Shane, you can talk specifically yeah. about that. But even here yeah, in Colorado, we're a complete landlocked state, right? We're nowhere near where ships are, right? So, um, and then I think we just Googled shipping containers for sale, Colorado, and there are regional distributors here. And we went and looked at their yard and we found out that there are basically three containers that you can buy uh, generally, which are new, single use and used. And of course those come in all different sizes, right? You can get 40 foot, 20 foot, 10 foot. Mm -hmm. um, And then you can get uh, the standard eight foot tall ones, uh, or you can get what's called high cubes, which are nine and a half feet, which 
absolutely use the high cubes. You know, it's a fractionally more money. And if you really don't want to feel like you're in a box, get a high cube. Um, so you can have normal to borderline high ceilings. Um, the single or the new containers are great. Um, if you're concerned about people looking at upcycled material, then I would say go ahead and get the new. Uh, mm -hmm. For what you're going to spend, just get new containers so that you don't have anyone saying this one's dented. Yeah, it's, it's a used <laughs> container. If you're um, interested in using upcycled materials, I mean, these are in the millions sitting around not getting used mm -hmm. in the United States. And by the way, that is because we import more than we export. Um, that then get a single use. I would completely avoid the used ones. The You start to run in structural integrity issues. Some of the damage is so... Um, so much that you don't want to compromise the in the, the structural integrity of them also uh the used ones you have to really start getting into what were they used for and i think that's right. why the single use ones are or the new are better if they were carrying multiple if they were carrying food paint material um, chemicals then you have to do uh, a lot just to get it to where I mean, you're putting people in this, right? So mm -hmm. um, you just want to avoid all that. You can get a containers manifest. They'll have those right. where they sell them so they can say where they got them from and what they were used for. But again, new, single use. At that point, mm -hmm. you can purchase them. They'll likely deliver them wherever you want them to be delivered. Uh, usually not that expensive. The container market's up and down a little bit, like kind of mm -hmm. like the stock market is. Mm -hmm. um, so... I think when we first started talking about this, a new container was like four grand. And by the time we were ready to build because of what was going on uh, with COVID and uh, and everything else, they got all the way up to like, I think a new one was like 9,500. Single right. use was 7,000. And then a used, depending on their condition, were anywhere from 1,000 to 5,000. And um, so we went with the single use, except for our middle one, which was, use because we knew we were removing almost all of the walls out of them so all we just needed were the two ends mm -hmm. to and look good yep and so we looked at a bunch of used ones to save money and then we cut the living shit out of that and we're just stuck stood there looking at a pile of steel like why did we even buy this container <laughs> yeah. um, like that seems like a lot of money sitting over there yeah, um, right. yeah. but that's that's how the containers work. It's really not that hard. I picked yeah. up the phone and called and said, can I buy some containers? And they, of course, they sell containers, so they make that very easy on you. Um, you're going to need to get an engineer and an architect that is okay understanding this. That was one of our other initial mm -hmm. delays um, was finding someone who wanted to put a stamp on this um, because it's just unfamiliar with them. So that is probably the best place to start i skipped over the whole architectural part and the engineering part and well, all the stuff in the beginning it is technical obviously people go to school for it i heard mm -hmm. um that's the rumor but that's where i would start find someone who is comfortable um and would that have to be in your own state would you have to get an engineer like in the state you want to build in to sign off on it no no 
Okay. No, that's actually a great question. Uh, the yeah. answer is no, but they do have to be licensed in the state you're building. Um, cool. A lot of engineers are licensed in multiple states. Um, yeah, it is better to go with someone that's local because when it comes to you have you're still gonna have to require to get a soils report done. Mm-hmm. Um, you're still have to go through those standard steps for site work, and depending on what your infrastructure is, whether it's city sewer and water, whether it's gonna be septic and a well, whatever it is those steps still have to be taken. And so the engineers gonna need that information. Um, I'm actually in the process of starting another one in the same area, but the engineer is actually out of state licensed in Colorado, but not in the state. So walking him through some of that information, as far as the soil conditions, what does that mean? Um, Engineers are going to be overly cautious unless they're fully familiar with those Mm -hmm. conditions. If they're going to be overly cautious, means it's going to be slightly over-engineered, which is part of the problem I think I, I see with a lot of these container builds. And again, that defeats the purpose of the cost effectiveness of using these things is we're trying to keep that budget as tight as possible. And if we just kind of slide into, well, it's going to be good enough if we go this way, then, well, yeah, but the metal's more expensive. That beam is more than I need. This footing is wider than I need. There's more concrete here, blah, blah, blah. So that's... Um, that's something that you got to keep in mind when you're designing this. What's the best way to do it? Long answer. Yes. Engineer can be anywhere as long as they're licensed in the state to stamp this thing, but it's better to have someone local. And I, I think in the beginning, you also have to make a decision on the functionality of the build and the design. And I think that's one of the first things that you're going to have to grapple with. You are a little limited in in terms of design. They're boxes, mm-hmm. you know. They're and like Shane alluded to earlier, I, I think people see pictures of ones that are you know cantilevering and doing all of this. And absolutely, you can do that. Sure, mm-hmm. um, it's not cost effective. They're meant to be stacked. There's specific point loads on the ends. They're structured that way. So anytime you kind of start messing with that too much, you're going to have to start re-engineering them. Um, so I think the first thing you have to do is how how beautiful, how interesting um, aesthetically can I make boxes? And mm-hmm. by the way, I, I love that, right? Uh, not just that I love boxes, <laughs> um, but I love the challenge of, trying to to address that you know it's easy to it's like it's, it's in the same line as it's really happy it's really easy to be happy when you have a bunch of money right. right is it can you really be happy when you don't have any that's the true challenge and it's kind of the same thing it's like sure i can be really happy if i have an architect a world famous architect build this most interesting structure on the planet and it's like but can you make something beautiful and be limited in its spatial mm-hmm. um uh, layout. And, you know, and, and I see some of the questions here and, you know, there is some decisions there right from the get go. Right. And it is steel on the outside and thermal bridging and all of this stuff is something you have to address. Um, and it's not like, Oh, look how problematic this is. No, it's just, it's just decisions. Mm -hmm. Right. And you can frame them from the inside and you can insulate them. You do need to spray foam them. So there's no, you know, cause it's corrugated metal and you got to really get the foam in there. So you don't have, you know, pockets mm-hmm. of air. 
because um, the metal will heat up and it will cool down. And before we spray foamed, I, I thought it was fun, all the science that was going on in there, uh, which is like, oh my God, it's literally like a glass of ice, right? And then the outside condensates and then the inside does. And until you get that thing insulated, um, mm. I remember panicking and I think I called you, Shane. I was up there that day, and I think you were still back in the city. And I'm like, "Oh my God, it's condensating like crazy in here." And you mm. were just like, "Yeah, we haven't we haven't insulated yet. Don't it's be, cold outside. It's, it's cold. snowing. Yeah, and you got a yeah. space heater going on inside, mm. and mm. Um, we hadn't insulated yet. But the, one of the other things you can do is make a decision on how you want this to look. Right. right. So, do you want this to be steel on the outside? Do you do you like that aesthetic? You do not have to have that aesthetic on the outside. You can frame on the outside of these, which is probably better for, um, so we've heard, um, it's better in terms of um, some of the things that I'm addressing. But now you have to clad the outside somehow and you lose mm -hmm. the container look, right? So if you like that, um, then great. Then you have all kinds of options. And we looked at that. Actually, at one point, wanted this to look like a big concrete block, and we were trying to figure out whether or not we could be using like cement board as our sheathing on the outside, so we could mm -hmm. actually make this look actually like a big giant concrete block. But then, what you're going to have on the inside, if you don't frame, is you're going to have to for your MEPs and stuff. You're going to have exposed mm -hmm. um, conduit. You're going to have exposed. Um, Ventilation, if that's what you're doing. Um, Your which, assemblies will be trickier, cabinets, yep. vanities, mm -hmm. you know, anything All of you put on stuff. the walls. And I did actually want to touch on, uh, just uh, just add on to the question I answered for Keith a little bit earlier, if he's still here, that um, I've had this question a lot. It's like, yes, but you can insulate, which is a very loose term from the inside, but then you still have this, all this metal exposed on the outside, which is going to create heat. Well, it also can create cold as Evan saw, and we saw them in the mountains in the middle of the winter. Um, and that's what, that's what thermal bridging is. It's just basically you have two conditions, one's outside, one's inside, and one's going to be hotter or colder than the other, depending on the time of year or whatever. And that, what that does is it creates condensation. Same thing. Just great example was the glass of water with ice in it. Right. Um, that that's a question that's that's easy to understand because it's a metal box and we don't use con in conventional construction we use just metal on the outside most of the time well a lot of the municipalities in boulder county are now requiring metal roofs almost everywhere mm -hmm. metal roofs have a 50-year warranty metal roofs are better than a composite shingle um, metal roofs are mm -hmm. far superior in so many ways what keeps the metal roof from having that same sort of thermal bridging? It's the exact same answer. It's the way you insulate. It's what you're sealing from the inside. It's your it's your building science envelope and the assembly that's put together. Um, I don't like to use closed cell all the time everywhere, but that is one of the best ways to break that bridging is especially with a roof. It's the same deal. And uh, that's been allowed forever, obviously. You just have to break the bridging that's created, where it's, which means you're trapping the outside to the outside and you're keeping the inside on the inside as the building envelope. Mm -hmm. So it's no different than using it for a metal roof. It's the exact same assembly you would do for the rest of the box itself. Um, and if you do it that way, then you'll have no problems. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> the other thing for getting started on this is just what we're alluding to is making some initial decisions and finding just the right people 
um, like you would have to anyways. You would need architectural plans and you would need engineered plans to submit to your city or your county building office to be able to build something. So you still have to start there. It is probably a little bit more limiting. It's not a giant pool of people. I do think it requires a little bit of education on this person's part only to be able to speak to some of these people that are unfamiliar with it. So if you're going to look at building one, familiarize yourself with it a little bit. Um, know things like, listen, you can just copy and paste what we're saying almost. It is in the 2018 code book. It is Fannie Mae approved for standardized construction, right? You can go look those things up, but have those in your pocket and then um, if someone's like, listen, I think I'm okay doing this, but I've just never, like if you're an engineer, you're talking to an engineer, I just have never done one and I'm not sure what engineering requirements are. And just say, look, it's people do them, they're around. Um, I know I can do this because I tuned into a live stream. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever it is, be a little bit prepared to have some of those. You don't have to be an expert. By any means, the the because the experts are people who have general contracting license, uh, and they're already an expert. They may not know it, but they are an expert in building shipping container homes because they're homes. Um, and so, I, it just requires a little bit of narrative from your part. So that's just mm -hmm. a, a heads up. But getting a container would be that's where you would start um, figuring out how big you want, making sure that your Maybe this is something else too, Chad, because uh, this was a little, for, for Shane and I, is experiences we were with construction and design and doing all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. This, this was at least <clears throat> new for me. Um, I realized in the design part of it, how much I had to check with Shane um, on what I could do, right? Like in terms of the design, mm -hmm. uh, normally it is, you know, Shane cutting me loose and just saying, you know, make it pretty, Evan. Uh, but this was like, well, hold on a sec, can I do this? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. There was a lot more of that. So having a good general contractor that is ready for this a little bit is good. Um, so if you have a designer or if you're designing it, um, and some of this is just positioning the containers, the best way mm -hmm. to lay them out um, to make sure that if you are going to, you know, stagger them a little bit, right uh because you think it would be cool two butts of them kind of sticking out you could put glass there making sure that you know how to get those welded together um so having a good general contracting partner to discuss some of this stuff with when you're just making your decisions um the other thing to take into consideration uh which is this is a big one so everyone get their pens and paper out i'll give you a second okay <laughs> These are big boxes that have to get to a site. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at sites, you have to, for the first time, you got to understand a 40-foot box on a truck coming in that has to have a crane pick up that box, swing it somewhere, and set it down. And it is, that is probably one of, uh, I don't know how many sites in, that Shane and I went and looked at where we would have to just drive it. Mm -hmm. And 
try to think, can we get a box through here? Because once we buy this lot or, you know, or we buy this lot, you know, the three of us, Daryl, Shane and I, we have to make sure that we're not all of a sudden like, well, an unexpected cost was helicoptering one of these in because no truck can get there. You right. know? So accessibility and knowing that you're doing this. So um, there is a there's a real interesting look at ADUs, accessory dwelling units, little structures and backyards, right? And it's probably the first question that mm -hmm. someone should be asking. It's right. not, are they cool? Can we do it? What's the cost on this? It is accessibility yep. and making sure that you are, I mean, think about this. You're going to probably be in front of the house, craning in over your house, a box, a mm -hmm. big metal steel structure. Um, that probably just sent everybody off of this. Like, you know, Man, I'm this I'm out. Work for me. Yeah, out. That doesn't work for me. Yeah. Right. So getting them rigged right, getting the cranes, yeah. accessibility. So making sure that you have a lot that you, or accessibility for just the delivery, locating the containers in your area, making sure that, and you can find them, they'll send them. It might just be a little mm -hmm. bit more to have them transported. Mm -hmm. So that's not that. And again, they're set up to sell and deliver containers. So you don't have to put too much thought into that. Um, getting with a good engineer that is comfortable. It doesn't have to be a good engineer, just an engineer who's comfortable putting their stamp on I something like this. Ones. Yeah. Um, I mean, getting with an us. architect that's <laughs> considering your budget. Mm -hmm. And, you know, architects are going to tell you all kinds of cool things and they sell um, you on all the skills they have and what they can do and how cool they can make this. And, and you're going to have to temper that and yeah. say, I'm making a really pretty box Listen, here. This man. is a budget effective yeah. build. Because um, yeah. you'll see some of them, if you just Google them, you'll see amazing container builds mm -hmm. that are clearly for uh, an architect just peacocking, showing right. his feathers. Yeah. And there was probably not a lot of consideration in terms of costs. There probably it was, was not a lot of containers. It's yeah. all about taking this aesthetic and making something really, really unique and beautiful. And I think that also gets people to think, oh, well, this is cool. I can put them up on their ends. I can lay them over. And it's like, of course you can. You know, mm -hmm. um, uh, We can drive robots on Mars, apparently, but that doesn't mean you can. And, or I would highly advise maybe just tempering that a little bit. Um, but I would say the, that would be my best advice for someone getting started. It's mm. just those things alone, because that sets you up for the right, the, it gets you set up for success because everything else is just a general contractor. It's just builders, it's just electricians. Once you've made good decisions there, you're off and running and you're fine. Right. Yeah, I think I think you should have maybe opened with that. Hey, look, it's literally just like any other normal build. It's just <laughs> the first part is just like sourcing and getting a good engineer to just you know yeah. sign off on it. Because yep. yep. um, mm. yeah, I, I think a lot of people are intimidated by um, you know what an undertaking they are you know getting themselves into. Um, and I'm sure you know there are people out there that do have these really cool designs where maybe it is more cost effective than we even really realize. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe it's just a matter of how they engineer, you know, where the, the support, um, and, and, you know, where the foundation peers are going for these and technically maybe one isn't even sitting on top of the other. I just got to thinking about how like some of the offset ones might not even be set on top of each other. They might right. have like a slight gap between them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, no, it's, I, I think it's, I think it's really important. Yeah. Site 
the site is a big, big piece in transportation is probably a huge oversight that most yep. people would never think about. Right. Yeah. And, and that happens a lot. Huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that happens a lot in a lot of the, a lot of the world that I live in. Can we do this? And it's just, I mean, and Evan's been there too. It's one of those like, well, can, can we, yeah, we can, we can do that, but we can do anything for spend. Yeah. You know, how much you want to spend, <laughs> you know, show me the money, Jerry yeah. Maguire. Um, it, it, it can be done, but why, but why use containers? Why, why mm-hmm. are you trying to do this? What's the goal here? That's why I always ask people, because when they're curious, it's about, you know, well, I want to do one. Why? I mean, I always ask them why, because it's cool. Okay, but what's the, what are you trying to accomplish? If it's cool mm-hmm. and you're trying to do, you know, you're trying to fit, you know, square peg around hole, it's not going to be worth your time and money to do that. Unless you have a lot of money, then go for it, man. Call me, you know, whatever. But it's yeah. it's got to be thought through. The, the site is a big deal for sure. Yeah, and in I do think that a lot of people think that, and again, I'm gonna keep beating on this dead horse. I don't think it's dead yet. Um, is that there's something unique going on here, and the uniqueness is just what you're starting with. And other than that, there's nothing overly unique outside of the aesthetic. Outside of, let me take a step back. If you're looking for a property or property or properties, depending on what you're hoping to use them for, whether it is for short-term rental, uh, Airbnb, whether it is for your home or whether it's for ADUs or whatever it is, one of the big benefits is differentiation, right? If that's what you're looking for. And I think that's where like with Daryl as the investor, it's like, we're one of the only now we're one of probably the only shipping container homes um, available for sale in the United States. And, and even though you see them all the time, um, they're not always up, right? People will build them mm-hmm. and they're not for sale. They're for them, right? Mm-hmm. They're for someone. Hold on. So this area, I'll talk about this just real quick. If you don't mind, Chad, uh, a little bit of just the investment side of this for us oh, and yeah. why we made a choice here to do this. So um, Colorado obviously is a huge tourism state and there are a lot of great places in Colorado to put a piece <clears throat> of property if you were going to build. There's also really expensive places uh, to build. Some counties in Colorado have put moratoriums on short-term rental. So mm-hmm. we built this, uh, one, as a strategy, and two, as a backup plan. Is This will likely be, uh, the, the buyer will be uh, somebody who is somewhat investment savvy, even just somewhat. Um, something that you can use, you and your family or yourself or whoever can use when you want it. Let's put it in an area that has a lot around it to to go we so this is in park county in colorado mm-hmm. um it's close to uh fair play um south park right like the famous yeah, cartoon um yep Hartman. it's this is in this okay. area um there is a, the terry all river fly fishing five minutes away the reservoir is another 15 minutes from the river um you're 30 some minutes away from whitewater rafting you go up over the pass in 40 minutes 45 minutes you're in breckenridge where you can ski so we wanted to put this in a place where we thought this was as daryl would say a drop your bags kind of place mm-hmm. um, that you can come and you can just drop your bags and you can go explore what colorado has to offer um, so we put this here in park county because park county allows short-term rentals so we were 
weighing not only the shipping container construction for this, but we were also taking that into consideration in terms of an investment. This is a differentiation uh, approach. If there are 20 Airbnbs on the market and you want a unique experience for your uh, for your trip, this is it, man. This is cool. All right, you get to sleep in these little bump-out cubes, and uh, there's cattle <laughs> that roam around on the property. We still don't know whose they are. One of them is about to be mine. And um, for all the people out there that keep saying free range, that's not how that works. You can't yeah, just have yeah. cattle on your private property. <laughs> They're just out. I don't know where they. I understand who they what free to. range is. I was being sarcastic, but that's not free range. <laughs> yeah, um, but so going back to in that sorry that triggered triggered me to talk about that from what you said, Shane, which was, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, it's an acceptable answer to say, I just want to do something cool. I want to do something different. And yeah, that's a great reason great. to do it. As long as you understand that, you know, that nook did not cost us 50 grand to build. Mm -hmm. Right. It, that cost us uh, a lot more than that. A lot more than that. It, it's like building a house. Um, and again, if we, I would say we were still less than new build, especially considering new build in the mountains, oh, which will sure. probably run higher. But we're not talking like 50% less. We're not talking like 70% less. We're talking like 85. You know, we we're about 85% of what I think new build would cost. Um, I had to correct that because it sounded like I was about to say 85% less. Yeah. yeah. About 85% of what new to let build you know. would be. Yeah. I'll send you the budget um, one more time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, in, in, again, maybe we got it built faster than we would have mm -hmm. because of the style of construction. Uh, even with all the delays we had, um, a, a builder was up on our site not too long ago, was interested in purchasing it. And I think it was him. Or no, actually, it was your friend. Uh, the broker Chad that came up and met yeah. me up there. Um, and I said, we built it in less a year and he kind of gave a look like, Whoa. And he's up there selling property in the mountains. And he's right. like, wow, that's, that's fast. And I'm thinking, mm -hmm. God, it felt like it took forever. Mm -hmm. Um, but why do you want to build this should be an answer. If you think it's cheaper or if you think, well, I can just build this in my garage and then go set it down. And it's like, no, no, it's a house. You're going to have to have special li special licensing to be able to have inspections being done off site. Like, you know, it's not, there is nothing really um, keeping this from just being a normal build outside of this initial start. It's just the very beginning, starting with the containers. Once that's done, you are in the same place you would be almost anywhere uh, with, with any build. Uh, you got framers, you have drywallers, you have electricians, you know, you have all this stuff. So um, once you get past that initial design, making sure you're taking into consideration the logistics of moving the containers. And um, maybe one last thing is you need a good welder. That's a little yeah. bit different than normal construction. You need to have a competent welder that is cutting uh, this metal out. doesn't require anything crazy. Uh, just whatever is used to cut steel, right? So plasma, gun, grinders, you know, it's like angle grinders, stuff like that. It's, but you need a competent welder. There is a substantial amount of welding. Structural construction too. Yeah. Structural yeah. welding, not just a finished welder. They have to be, they have to be very confident structurally 
handling metal yeah. and beams and everything else that goes into these things. Putting them together is a whole science in itself. God, is that true? $500 and up? Yep. A foot, jeez. I remember when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd go to a movie for a quarter and get a Coke and a popcorn. <laughs> That's what that feels like. 500 a foot. Gee, many Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I... I, I think, look, it's, I think it's what a lot of people want to know. And I think that's why people have interest on it. It's like just getting started in that kind of initial uncertainty, but you know, just logic. It's, it's a, it's a big metal box. You got to get it somewhere. You got to have someone who can cut it out. And, but once that's done, you're home free in terms of what might be uncomfortable. Nothing else past that is uncomfortable. Um, and look, there's little things, you know, like, you know, if you're putting trim, exterior trim uh, around your windows, you know, yeah, you got to figure out how to get that piece of wood into metal, mm-hmm. right? So there's some of that stuff. But again, a competent builder, any any builder worth their salt can probably figure all that stuff out. That's not something they're, you know, it's like, I've never seen this before. It's like, <laughs> no, okay. Yeah, you have. Um, so I think that's it for that, man. I just I just kind of wanted to cover that a little bit. But I think mm-hmm. differentiation is a good reason to do that. And if that fits why you're looking at it, I think you're on the right track. You just have to set the right expectations, get a little bit comfortable with it. You may have to get comfortable with making people comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're 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 pretty much off and running. Yeah. Yeah, for the most part you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're running. I don't know what's chasing you, right? There's a lot of running. Or if you can see where you're going, but you're off and running. Hopefully no grand things. Yeah. Yeah. Shane, what do you think was the biggest thing for you on on this, just in terms of like, wow, that's – because you've been a builder for a while. What what stands out to you in terms of um, like when you think about the build – that really stood out as a learning curve or however you want to word that. I, I, well, a couple of things you kind of touched on, but there, I would call them minor, minor, um, complications in the overall build of these things. I think at the beginning, I will say that I, I overthought some of the assembly and, um, the building science behind it. And as we were kind of gearing up and working through, uh, structural engineering, you know, how to, how to deal with, you know, how these are going to go together on site, whatever, how we're going to cut them, what kind of, you know, what kind of blade are we going to use to cut this? How I want to be innovative on the cutting side, whatever. I think I overthought a lot of that stuff thinking there's going to be more problems than there actually were as we got into it. Um, so that was actually reassuring to me knowing that we're not, you know, trying to, you know, fix some certain things that otherwise would be very simple, like, you know, installing exterior doors and windows, um, how is the roof going to work if we put these things together? Because as most people know that, or if they don't, maybe they don't, shipping containers are designed to shed water sitting out in the elements. That's what they are. And so they have a convex roof. Putting several together creates this belly. So it was one of those things like, how are we going to get water? It's typically, it's just a flat roof. And typically flat roofs are going to pool regardless, even in commercial construction. Mm-hmm. How do you remove the water? So going through some of those things and, you know, how to, how to make these things purely watertight. Um, we had, you know, some of that that came about, we had, you know, and we were dealing with one even recently, just figuring out 
why a certain thing is leaking, you know, our, our, what type of material can we use for penetrations? How many penetrations should we really want as far as venting and, and all kinds of stuff, you know, for the, for some of the, the, the building mechanical systems. Um, but a lot of those things, like I said, I think were, were easier to deal with than I originally thought. I think the biggest caveat that we talked about earlier was how do you get them on site? How much of the construction can or should you do offsite? Um, and I think that comes into just understanding the world of modular construction. And if you're not familiar with that, then I would recommend doing as much as you can on site to kind of combat that. Um, how easy can you make it once you get into, once the structure is put together, how easy can you make it to get back to conventional construction? And, and some of that is based on how you're going to frame things, you know, how you're going to, you're going to seal your windows, your doors, um, how's everything get installed correctly and in plumb and, and, you know, thinking about the thermal bridging, like he t talked about earlier, a lot of that stuff now has been done for you in the code book. It's telling you, you have to do it this way or we're just not going to allow it. Right. So you have to design it this way. The architect has to design it this way. The engineer has to design it this way. Um, so I think a lot of that, you know, you're, you're not at the forefront of this anymore. It can be guided just based on what you're going to need for permitting. Um, I think for me, it was just a lot of that was just thought through understanding how a conventional home goes together. I was trying to make it as again, conventional as possible doing that assembly process. And I think some of that doesn't have to be done that way. And, you know, some of the videos we put out there were explaining why we, or I did it that way. Um, but overall, I would say, I'm not going to say it's a simple process to build one of these, but it's, it's, I think less intrusive. It's less complicated than building a conventional stick built home. But I'm not telling people to go out and DIY this whole thing because you can see a lot of people out there that have done that. I mean, there's YouTuber influencers that have gone out and sort of made a name for themselves doing this. Mm -hmm. um, but as you get into the real story of what's going on with some of those, it's it's you're still building a home. So be careful with that. Um, I, I don't want to discourage people from trying to complete it on their own. But again, you're going to have to go through the building process. And if you don't mm -hmm. understand that, you better figure out who's going to be on your side whether it be someone like me or, or a team of people that's in your pocket that you, you can use, it's still conventional construction for the most part. And that's what I kind of want to, Evan and I are trying to convey is it's still conventional construction. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just not as a lot of the guys in this world, you know, building homes will say, well, I'm not going to do it that way. Cause that's not how you build a home. Um, there, the pushback shouldn't be coming from it's, it's overly complicated cause it's not. And I guess that's what I would say. Yeah, and I think you touched on a on a, a couple things there. It's like in one hand, you want to tell people it's going to cost you the same as building a new home. And on the other hand, you want to tell them unless you want to approach it a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And that's really true for any construction, really. I mean, there are inexpensive homes that can be built and there are really expensive homes that can be built. Right. And I think... Again, same horse, still kicking it. It's like there's nothing that there is no specific reason why you should, and there's not a specific reason why you shouldn't. It's not like I think people still, from my experience and conversations I've had, like, oh, does this mean now we can do this or can you just do that? And it's like, well, maybe, but you maybe not, you know, and it's like, if you want to try to use a shipping container to build something inexpensively, 
sure, you can approach it that way. But you, you could do that with stick built too, right? It, like, oh, well, I want to really have a differentiating property and I'm not necessary, but I have the budget of a, you know, stick built new construction home. Great. Then it will be different than everything else. And it will be, you'll probably spend that amount of money on it. And mm -hmm. I think it's, it's like, I think you and I were on a podcast once, Shane, talking about this. It's, I, I, it might be an oversimplification on my part, but I, it's, it's somewhat on purpose to try to get people's mindset correct on this. It's if you built a home and it's just sheathed on the outside and it's like people imagine uh, three or four people staying around and say, well, what do we want the exterior of this home to look like? You know, it's like, do we want it to be brick? You know, do we want to do, you know, uh, T11 siding or whatever the hell, it, whatever you want, because inside it's a house mm -hmm. and um, and it's just like I'm trying to if I do anything for this community is to try to help people not go down the wrong rabbit holes to then just be disappointed. Right. Right. To, to see something and say, if I could build that and that would be only like $50,000 and then I could Airbnb it for 300 a night. It's like, Whoa, what's up? Mm -hmm. You could build a single container one for 50 grand. Right. I don't think anyone would want to rent it. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, if you wanted to get, fetch that price it'll probably look like this and that's going to be more mm. um and unless you really want to sit down and it's something you know i'm speaking for myself um with m my new company butcher and sweet that we really want to take a look at is not necessarily building homes but can we have a place with skilled workers to where we can have metal workers and woodworkers and engineers on site um, with designers uh, as part of the company and architects to address this. But I say that because that's what that requires, right? It's like it requires a team to really address all that stuff. And if your idea is a DIY, uh, a DIYer, um, DIYer, DIY yes, you got it right. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> a DIYer. Uh, <laughs> Um, is to do that on your own. We're not telling you don't. Mm -hmm. If you have the gusto to go do that and you have some skills and you're patient um, and you're willing to just kind of spend money carefully but know that you're not sure where it's going to end, right? Um, we're not saying don't do that. We're just saying, but that's no different than saying I want to try to build uh, a stick-built structure ADU in my backyard. It's still all kind of the same. And um, for for someone to look at how to, I don't know, take advantage of this, that's not the right word uh, or phrasing, but to look at this uh, optimistically and saying, we do have a, a structure here. And mm -hmm. like Shane, think how much time we've talked about just heating and cooling it, whether right. to use mini splits or whether to actually use conventional forced air. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, all right, well, if we, Mini splits are fine, right? There's nothing wrong with mini splits. Um, they do require a little bit of, you know, so mini splits, the uh, little Samsung it's things that go up in the ones. ceilings. Yeah. yeah. Um, they still require some venting, right? Mm -hmm. um, you got to, they will do just a room, but it doesn't mean that now you got to put one in on certain rooms and it requires, and we decided, no, let's just, we wanted a condition crawl space that would make things easy for this one. But that increased the price, 
right? right. It would have been cheaper for us to do that. Um, so I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. If you want to look at this as a way to inexpensively build, it is possible for sure, but you're going to have to let go of some of your, um, Chad, it's no different than taking a buyer to house. It's like, and Shane, you're a broker too. It's like, you got to let go of something. Yeah. I can't like, I got you the two, I got you the three car garage. I got you this and that. And I'm sorry, it doesn't have a sunroom. And then mm -hmm. you take them and it's like, oh, here's your yeah. sunroom, but only has a two car garage. It's like, look, you're going to have to make a concession somewhere. Mm -hmm. right? Okay. I found the perfect house for you, but now it's not in the neighborhood that you want. Right. And it's really kind of no different. It's like, well, yeah, but I want this, but I want 12 foot ceilings. Okay. Well, it's not going to have 12 foot ceilings. <laughs> You're at best going to have nine and a half, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're going to have nine and a half, it's going to have con or it's going to have corrugated steel ceilings, right? And you're going to have exposed conduit probably for your lighting, um, and it's no different. So I just, again, I really want that to be something that listeners take away from this is um, just going through that process mentally. Yeah, a good analogy is like <clears throat> you have you have three three things. Whenever you're working with someone in service service based business, you can get it done right. Location, done location, fast. location. Oh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. You, you can get it done right. You can get it done fast, or you can get it done cheaply. Pick two out of the three. Good, yeah, cheap, it. and fast. That's yeah. you only get two of those at the best. You only get two of those. Yeah. yeah. And that's the same with real estate. And I will say, maybe to kind of put a bow on this is mm -hmm. Chad talking about kind of the real estate side of it, and I know this is a as a Q&A. So if you guys still have questions, if anyone's still here, got questions, feel free to drop them in there. We will definitely answer them. Um, but Chad, talk about how, what you've dealt with as we've gone live on the listing and, and the questions, the feedback, um, kind of all of that with a container home versus just listing a conventional home, whether it's in the city or not. Um, just kind yeah. of the, the stuff, the stuff that you've, you've run into as we've gone live with this. Yeah. I mean, and we started, <clears throat> obviously took it live when, um, it wasn't a completely finished product, which I was totally fine with because, you know, I felt fairly confident in being able to paint the picture for, for a buyer to want to get up there and take a look at it. But it's like, it, it was like pulling teeth, right? With, and it's the same thing with when you're taking people to new construction homes, right? Mm -hmm. um, you could take them and walk up a, a property that they have under construction. And if they don't have the finishes and, you know, the, the walls done and like everything put in the buyer's like, okay, well, what, what's it going to look like? Right. And that was, you know, a lot of the conversations I had around it were people that were reaching out to me, um, you know, through Instagram or they had found the websites that I had built for this. And they're just like, man, this is like, this is so cool. When is it going to be done? Um, you know, what's, what's the kitchen going to look like? What, it, <laughs> what are they planning on finishing out for the bedrooms? And we had put together, you know, Evan and I had put together different, you know, almost like vision boards in a sense, just kind of like helping people get a feel of what the final product uh, would look like. But a lot of the times I would just be pushing people like, hey, go see the location. See if it's mm -hmm. somewhere that you even like, if it's within, you know, a drive time that you want to have, you know, there's a lot of people that are looking for things like this, um, especially in the remote work environment that we are in. Um, and, you know, I've, I've had, I've had some questions too, and some feedback on like, all right, well, what's the cell service like? And, you know, we all know that the cell service isn't amazing, but you do have service up there. There are right. some dead spots, you know, here and there. And 
those are concerns of buyers. These are things that like you don't typically think about when you're listing a property that is as unique as this one. Um, right. And until you have experience doing something like that as well. Um, I can so tell that, you the cell service in my, in my town is going to crap lately. And I'm, yeah. I'm really, you it's, know, so it's not all about just being remotely in the mountains. It's, it's just, yep. yeah. Checking on that stuff is important for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, as we got, obviously, as we got closer to um, completion, I started to uh, put a lot more marketing dollars behind this and getting it out to even other agents in the metro area um, and in Colorado in general. And I mean, a lot of the the questions that even they have was like, well, like, who do you have to help finance something like this? Like, I think I have someone that'd be interested in it, but how do I finance it? I'm like, it's All right. go, it's go to, go to Wells Fargo. I don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, you can go, you can go there if you want to. I was like, but you know, I'm happy to make the plug for my lender and like, hopefully make him look like he's the only one that can do it. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, it's just not necessarily the case. So there's just, it's, it's an early adoption phase right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and like to your guys's point earlier, you can see a lot of cool Instagram reels and, um, you know, pages about these shipping container homes and people promoting them, but they own them. That's their right. investment already. They're yep. probably cash flowing almost, you know, probably close to a hundred thousand dollars a year on these things, mm -hmm. renting them out because yep. they, they see the uniqueness in it. They have a process dialed in. They know what it is that they want. Um, whereas buying something like this on the open market, it's like, it's tough for people to wrap their head around, Oh, this is, this should be an investment for me. Um, especially with where you guys chose to, to build it at. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a lot of that is, is going to be, I think a, a struggle for a little while, just in general with this kind of, with this kind of construction or, you know, any type of alternative construction is the first question as well. I mean, we've talked about this all the time, buying a, buying a property, a home where it's a primary residence or something else is usually one of the biggest investments someone will make in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, so they're going to, they're going to most, most of the time look for a loan. They're going to go get a lender to help them purchase this. And then second question as Chad has, has talked about is how do I get, I can't get a loan. How do I get a loan? Where do I go? Who do I talk to for this type of build? Well, it's a house. I mean, go anywhere you want. It doesn't matter. They're going to lend on it. It's got it. You know, it's going to be finaled, CO'd, just like anything else would be. It's a house. It just happens that we, we used containers to build the exterior structure as opposed to wood framing or concrete or any type of other metal. So it, it, it's it's no different and fully allowed by the codes. Um, so it's fully allowed by, as Evan was talking about, Fannie Mae. Um, the lending institutions say, go for it. Um, there's no big deal here. So um, just keep that in mind, you know, as you're yeah. looking at something else or this one, whatever it is, it's, it's, it's not as complicated as you think. Yeah. Yeah. Chris has a good question. Um, I'm doing a shop car part out of a 40 foot container. What do you think about using closed cell spray foam and cans just to cover the inside of the container? I was then going to use one inch foam board. Depends on where you are, Chris. But again, going back to the thermal bridging, if you're anything but closed cell foam, it's not going to, to break that bridge. Um, so if you want to insulate it, um, here in Colorado, we have to have an R21 value uh, above grade on our walls. 
So yeah. the only way to do that is to on a two by four frame is to get spray closed cell spray spray foam. Um, Washington state. Yeah. Yeah. You're most likely going to be very similar or if not more extreme than us. Um, so if you're not using closed cell foam and it depends on how deep you're, if you're framing the interior, how deep are you framing that interior? Um, you can't Mm -hmm. just, if you're asking if you're just can spray foam on the walls, that's not going to work. Um, but you have to have something that contains that depth of the foam. So you can, you can do a combination of interior exterior framing. You could do, like a two inch rigid foam on the outside. If you're going to clad it with some sort of siding or something, then you could go a little bit less deep on your closed cell foam, but you're going to have to, you have to use closed cell foam because you need that thermal bridge to break two by threes. Why not two by four? Just curious. That's, that's something that I've seen a lot in States that are warmer for sure. By the way, I've seen it in Florida. I've seen it in Texas. Uh, South Carolina, I'm trying to think of all the states where, you know, this is kind of like they're trying. And again, you're trying to accomplish as much open area as you can. You don't want to shrink those walls too much. So for us, we have to go with a two by four furred wall and then three and a half minimum foam. Um, but if it's open cell foam, it's not going to do the job. Yeah, there you go. Save some space. Yeah. Yep. No. And I think that's that's fine. You just got to make sure you're hitting your value one way or the other so if you Mm -hmm. do two by three on the inside and what is that what is that foam gonna that depth gonna get you usually you're about six and a half on an r value for every inch of closed cell foam you can go with one inch on the outside two inch on the outside you know whatever that balance is i would just just look at your local amendments for whatever municipality you're in and then check um check code for washington state i'm not fully familiar with but i'm guessing you're gonna be very similar to our values here in Colorado. I guess it also and, depends on like, <laughs> well, this is going to be an unpopular statement. Uh, what are the kids called? It's a hot take. Um, <laughs> is, um, I guess it kind of depends. Like if this is a remote property, you're not necessarily pr- pulling a permit. You're just wanting to have some yeah. sort of structure to park something in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, you know, Shane is referring to is Living if this in, in a, yeah, yeah. It's all and, that's all condition space. Yeah. So if it's not, then I mean, if you're trying to make a workshop, it's as comfortable as you want to be, right? right. Um, yeah. If you're gonna have a, if you're gonna have an interior heater, you know how you're gonna heat it, cool it, whatever it is. Yeah. Just think about. You know, how comfortable yeah, for, for my yeah. shop, I want to be comfortable. Shop. If I'm doing like finished, finished work in there, I need to have it conditioned because if I'm yeah. doing, you know, urethanes and paint and all that stuff, whatever mm-hmm. it is, even just, just, you know, woodworking in general, I, I got to have it conditioned. I'm kind of a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm picky, but that's based on, you know, your overall thresholds too. And what you're doing in there, if you're just parking trucks and working in your mechanic, you're working on cars, you know, if you want to work with a coat on, go for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it's again, it's like, you know, I was just thinking like if this was in, you know, Seattle, like yeah. in Metro Seattle, sure. Mm-hmm. If this is, if Chris has just got looking for an additional workspace or whatever, then it's kind of like, look, we're, we're telling you what it needs to be. And then right. depending on the usage, what it can be. Right. You know, so you could use rigid foam on the outside, do a little bit mm-hmm. on the inside. And then if you're just putting, you know, plywood up because it's your it's your shop or it's your um, get away mm-hmm. from the kids. Why go 
mess around with some tools place mm-hmm. um, and dangerously drink whiskey and use power tools. <laughs> great. Great. Are you comfortable? Love it. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. yeah. I, um, it's a, it's a great, it's actually a great question because um, depending on the usage, this whole stream has been about building a home with them. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think what's really interesting for me is the or, or the only thing that's really interesting me on the home building homes with it is its differentiation in terms of investment, but mm-hmm. it's also some of the things it does fix that homes um, do have a problem with, which mm-hmm. is durability, weather. I mean, a shipping container home can withstand like an F four tornado uh, category five or four hurricane nobody quote me on this so you can google it snow um, load snow it'll meet all slo- snow loads it's I mean, snow loads all that, this so. stuff um and where i'm interested too is it starting to find a space within the mobile home community um mm-hmm. if you could take two of these and put them together it's almost exactly a double wide um, it's a little bit different, but roughly the same square feet. And if you can get that cost of construction down, it's a far better, um, I guarantee you tornadoes won't drag to them like a magnet, mm-hmm. right? Oh. Because if so, those parks would all still be there. Right. Um, and I think you can design them better. They're again, pest control. That's a whole issue with, um, Mobile, I'm just calling for general sakes, mobile homes. That's what everybody mm-hmm. kind of knows them as, which predominantly is in the South um, right. for temporary uh, housing after like think FEMA um, mm-hmm. to be able to have a potential contract with FEMA in terms of disaster area to bring them in. Um, I think there's so much use for that kind of stuff. But other than a home and differentiation and some of those benefits, I think what's interesting about them is getting it more standardized in terms of construction and the trades within construction to open up a whole different avenue of opportunity. Garages is a perfect example of it, mm-hmm. right? To be mm-hmm. able to say, look, it's not a home, but it is something that I can potentially fabricate offsite that I don't necessarily, depending on where it's at and what you're doing, have to go through some of the rigorous um, process. And I'm just two of these. If you take two 20 footers um, and you put them just side by side, they're eight feet wide. So you end up getting a rough open space that is 40 by 16. Mm-hmm. And that not a lot of 16 foot cars since the seventies got over. Right. So that's a little joke. Cause they're like big land boats. Um, <laughs> so you really, at that point, you're like, dude, it's perfect, right? Um, and you can cut them out and you can put a garage door on it and mm-hmm. you're off and running. So I think some of that usage um, is great. Um, and one of the things I'm interested in is uh, separate spaces, w- whether it's an ADU or not, whether you want a recording studio. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a lot less expensive, even despite what we're saying that it's not as cheap as you think it is. It's still a lot less expensive and intrusive as doing an addition on your home. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you have the lot, if you have the access in terms of what we were talking about before to be able to have one of these craned in, um, it's a lot less intrusive to your property, to your what's going on. Um, and you can all of a sudden add a studio. You can add a uh, man cave, she shed, uh, an office like I would love that to not have my office in the basement. And hear kids dribbling basketballs upstairs. <laughs> 
just been going on during this podcast uh, or live stream um, to a gym, to uh, a pool house, to mm-hmm. or a what pool. I would, you can make pools. Out you of can these, make pools yeah. out of them. Yeah. Um, I think some of that stuff, but I think what that's going to really require, and I really think that is going to be the space for these moving forward. Uh, I do think there is a limit when I when I think about this scaling out 10, 15 years. You are starting with an upcycled material that's used for something else. And I think if this becomes a lot more standardized, that what you'll find is instead of a factory line pumping out 40 by 8 foot by 9 and a half perfect structures, they're going to say, it looks like people want building cubes. Right. And we're not going to make them for boats uh, and ships. We're going to make them for construction. And I think you'll start to see that at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. But it will only get there once people like Shane are comfortable with them. People like Daryl, as an investor, is willing to look at these as an opportunity. And you get more trades. You get more framers and more people engineers and architects but once that happens uh i think it will really start to move the needle and i think uh, weirdly enough even more than 3d printing even more than a lot of this other stuff it's going to be freaking shipping containers um and this will probably be the last thing i'll say on this if i do anything on this podcast i would love for us to stop calling them shipping container homes they're (laughs) steel homes Right, that is part of the problem. Steel, steel construction. It's a steel house. Um, You wouldn't be like, I have this really great idea for brick homes. Like, wait, brick (laughs) homes? Excuse me. Yeah, brick homes, but they look colonial. A colonial house made of brick. That brick homes. Um, I just, it's it is what really makes this, I think, difficult. Uh, Let's see, tips or tricks on windows doors install. Thinking of square tubing, window frame, then weld to container. You yeah. you got it pretty much dialed, Chris, for yeah. the most part. Uh, it's really after that, the install on how you want to install your window, how you're going to flash your window. Um, I think I have the most amazing way to do it, but that's because I'm very, very conceited. Um, <laughs> but honestly, no, seriously, check out. We I've got a couple of videos up on how we did the windows. Um, it's really the framing and how you want to, if you're going to install um directly to the steel tubing, which you do need to have because there is some deflection in that and that's the corrugation as you cut them out. You want to make sure that thing doesn't rack on you because again, you're, you're putting it around, you know, a piece of steel that has flexibility. It's like that, that corrugation is like an eighth of an inch thick on most containers. So it's not very thick. Um, so when you're putting things against it, again, we're talking about the heating and cooling of these things. There's movement in every home. There's movement in, in a container. Um, think about that stuff. You're either screwing through the frame of the window, which I think is going to create more of that flexibility of movement, or you can have the flange of the window and you just slap it straight onto the framing, which is a, bu- a window buck that's made of wood, and you screw it just into the framing just like you would conventionally. Whoops, sorry. Um, and I think that's the better way to go because it's easier to flash the window. But other than that, I think even better than steel tubing, if I was a, you know, kind of manufacture a way to kind of prefab everything was to use angle iron, which actually lips down the sides of the corrugation instead of the tubing, which can get a little awkward because the tubing is thicker than the corrugation of the wall. The angle iron, you can get almost completely flush with it and it just makes it easier. Um, There's a lot of ways to do it, but, and again, a lot of information out on the, you know, the intrawebs, but a couple different ways to think about going that way. 
There's like a walking door in a metal frame and sided shop. Yeah. I mean, it's just, that's, yeah. that's the way you want to do it. Yeah. And Keith, hopefully keep. I answered your question earlier, but yeah, you got it. That's, I mean, yeah. make sure yeah. everything's sealed up. I mean, that's kind of what you're thinking. You want to, you want to do it right, flash it, insulate it. Um, make sure that allow with movement that you're not going to have problems coming down the road somewhere. Um, just, you know, there's the little things you're dealing with when you're, Again, as we're kind of getting into the build, the build process of, you know, moving forward with this type of construction, that's one way to, to think about doing stuff. And, you know, you're going to learn and we're all going to learn how to get better at some of these things or make them less complicated. So it's yeah. just that's the fun of it. Um, well, any other questions? I think I think we've covered a fair amount. Um, I think, again, Ours was called the Nook. It's in the mountains of Colorado. So we're dealing with different conditions than a lot of people that have come and gone through the stream have, have had questions on. Mm -hmm. um, so just consider that. But at the same time, I think a lot of the nuances with using these containers is, is going to be the same across the country. Um, I think there's, there's ways to save even more money if we were to do, again, this exact same model again as opposed to other ones we'll be doing. I think there's definitely money saving just kind of on the learning curve side, but um, it's, uh, I think it's a great way to do it. Um, yeah. Again, don't think you're going to build a 44,000 square foot home using all containers and be a third of the cost conventionally. That's just, that's, that's not true. And if you see somebody out there on Instagram or on the intro web somewhere telling you that they're full of, you know what? Um, so just keep that in mind. But again, there are, definite benefits to doing this. I think there's definite benefits to doing it the way we did it on this one. Um, if you want to come see it in your local, or if you're not local to fly in, Hey, even better contact Chad. Um, all that information is, um, out there to go ahead and just get, a, you know, if you want to get on the schedule to come look at it, we are going to do an open house for different varieties of people. We'll make sure that we post that to let everybody know when that's going to happen. Um, if you got any other questions in the meantime, you can drop them in the comments. We'll get to them later. Um, and again, if you want to come see it, you're more than welcome to come see it before it's gone. Um, I think it's a cool property. Come look at it. It's on a three acre parcel. So there's plenty to look at when you get there too. So it's worth the drive for sure. Um, other than that, that's about all I got. Gentlemen, do you have anything else? That's it. I I was going to say, I did a terrible job emceeing at the beginning. And I was going to say, you know, we should, we should cover, you know, who the heck are you guys? Why should people care? And how do we get hold <laughs> of you? Yeah. Why are you talking? Yeah. 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 So, Cause I mean, like you guys both have honestly Reddy. amazing, amazing backgrounds and awesome stories to share with people. And y'all are like, God, you're the best at what you do in my opinion. So no, uh, well, yeah. thank you. We try. We try. Sure. <laughs> We can cover that just real quick. Shane and I are cousins. We have the last name. Um, See that, that down there, yep. it says Bailey. It's actually because we're related. Yeah, it's not a coincidence. Our dads are brothers. <laughs> I don't know if you guys understand cousins. Um, <laughs> In this state, at least. <laughs> um, uh, Shane and I co-owned Bailey Custom Homes for a while. Shane now runs Bailey Custom Homes on his own independently. He also has built by ba I'm now I'm answering for Shane. Jesus, what the fuck is wrong with me? I can do it myself. <laughs> um, Shane, you cover you. I'll cover me. Um, I'm not a, I am not a builder. I'm not a general contractor. I love design. Um, I'm a serial entrepreneur. Um, 
Shane and I have flipped a lot of homes. Um, we've done a lot of interesting things together. Daryl Morgan, who is not on the screen, he is also our partner. He's a friend of mine, uh, an investor. And um, we do a lot of things kind of in this space. We do a lot of things different. Shane and I have had a podcast together. Shane still podcasts quite a bit. Um, I am currently opening up a uh, with another partner, Nathaniel Shue of Shoe Enterprises. Uh, it's called Butcher and Swede. Um, I'm the butcher. He's the Swede. Um, it's a design, uh, fabrication, uh, and manufacturing uh, company. So that would work pretty much in the architectural space uh, with builders, designers, anywhere from making $60,000 tables to um, helping finish out the design and fabrication for things like Red Rock Amphitheater. Um, and we got quite a bit of really uh, talented makers. I think some of them are on this call now. Um, wood form and metal form. These people have been making beautiful things forever. So I'm. That is the reason. That is um, what we're doing is partially because of this. We're interested in working with really talented and creative people, making really creative and problem solving. Um, uh, uh, or creating problem-solving designs for stuff like this. So, uh, we'll, like for example, we're, we're we're we have a contract with a company um, to make like literally hundred thousand dollars speakers, um, which I didn't even know was a thing until I listened to them, and I was like, oh my god, I get it. Um, to banjo next to building small, designing and building small micro trailers, uh, to all kinds of things. Um, so. That's what I'm doing right now. That's kind of my background um, in terms of what's in context of this, but um, own restaurants and coffee shops and things like that. So just a serial entrepreneur who is interested in anything that basically has never been done right? <laughs> and trying to tackle that with that. interesting people. Most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> Most of the time. They're all interesting. I don't know if they're all people. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, anymore, I don't know. It's it's yeah. become more of a question for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm the same person. I'm a serial entrepreneur. Uh, I've been involved in a lot of things over the years on top of what I do for a living. Um, I've certainly dabbled in probably almost everything you can think of. Um, I have been in business with Evan on many different ventures. Um I am a real estate agent like Chad, um, but I don't do it the same way Chad does anymore. I used to. I had a, my own brokerage for a while. I still have a brokerage. I don't have any agents anymore. Um, and it's for different reasons. I'm very specialized. I did construction consulting. I did, um, I mean, gosh, I, I still trade actively in the stock market during the day. I mean, sometimes I'm on my phone and, and, I've got my crew yelling at me about what, what I'm doing. And they're constantly asking me, how do you, how do you do that? And I said, well, don't today, let's not do that because I'm losing money. Um, but, <laughs> but I, I, I touch on, I, I don't know if I, I get bored easily or not, but that's just, you know, I always come back to the building industry cause I love it. I, I have to be active. I can't be in front of a computer. I love building things, love creating things. And I'm mm -hmm. um, in a, in a moment in time here in my life where it's like, how can we do it better? How can we make it more beneficial to the general public? Um, how can it be cooler 
and more innovative. And that's kind of where we landed here um, at this point. And I'm excited to, to move forward with kind of more of that, that side of the construction world. Um, I'm hoping more people will not make it such a caveat or a, a, or a tarnished, you know, a tarnished type of tag to say that, well, you're, you're, you're a framer, you're a plumber, you're an electrician, you know, you set tile, you lay floors, whatever it is that, you know, you're unsuccessful or you need to go to school and get five degrees and spend a bunch of money. I'm hoping that as we move forward and make this kind of a cooler place to be that more, more kids, especially coming out of high school will understand this is a, this is a great place to make a lot of money, learn, be innovative, be creative, be successful. Um, and I think this is just one piece of the puzzle that may allow more of these people just to kind of open their eyes and say, yeah, maybe I do want to try that. Maybe I, I do want to be part of that. And I'm, I'm hoping that'll be the case, especially with this project we did just drawing more people in and, and saying, well, we'll, you know, I want to be part of it somehow, some way let's, let's figure that out. Um, so we, we will invite all of those people in and say, you know, how can I help? How can I be part of it? What can I do? Um, Will you buy the nook? <laughs> so forth. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's you know that's you know I geek out on that stuff, and and I'm hoping more people will kind of take take note of that. And that's Sweet. that. That's a wrap. Love it. Yeah, Thank I love you guys. it. Feel free to reach out to any of us. I don't know yeah. how the hell you do that, but I think well, uh, you guys handle that, right? Start with the <laughs> comments below. Uh, Instagram. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're super easy to find. Just it's Google. Really, yeah, just like Evan said at the beginning, Google. Yeah. Google. Google is a great way. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty active on Instagram just because I think it's fun at this point. I don't know why I think it's fun, but it is. I like posting videos about stuff on there. Chad's big time on Instagram as well. We both have our YouTube channels. Um, mm-hmm. You can certainly Google us. There's phone numbers. Built by Bailey's is the website, and you can find Evan there too. So, mm-hmm. um We'd love to hear more from, you know, any questions you guys have uh, moving forward. And again, like I said, that link is in there. If you want to come see the Nook in in particular and see how a container home was built just on our end, uh, reach out to Chad. Come on up and look at it. And I appreciate everybody stopping in and out and asking questions. It's been fun. And hopefully we've accomplished something in this. I don't know how long we've been. Almost two hours. So, yay. Yay for us. Flew by. (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys. All right, guys. I appreciate you, gentlemen. Go uh, do what you're going to do this evening, and we'll be in touch. Everybody else, thank you very much. Um, Until next time, let's keep building. All right, guys. All right. Bye, guys. Later. Later. Bye.